Good morning. Probably not going to use that. Uh, I am, just not that one. Not that one, okay? <laughs> right. What would you be if the things of life were stripped away? So your job or your role, your house, virtually all your possessions, even your health or the health of your spouse, the location or the area where you live, what would you be? Who would you be? What would it reveal about you? Uh, this was something that I pondered a lot. Uh, over Christmas, I read these two books by Raina Wynn. Uh, Vicky bought me this one, and straight away my mum said, oh no, you've got to read the other one first. So my mum bought me the first one called The Salt Path. And uh, Raina and her husband lost their house, which was also their income stream. Uh, they lost virtually everything through no fault of their own, through a business thing. And then uh, her husband was diagnosed with a, a terminal illness. And they had literally nothing bar their old van and a tent. And they walked, they decided to walk some of the southwest coast path. And the book is a story about them doing that and what comes. Uh, and it really puts up a reflection to yourself of, you know, what is your life? What would it be if everything that you hold dear as your life is taken away? Because it reveals the essence of what's inside. This is my penultimate uh, sermon I'm going to do here, uh, because at Easter I'm going to move across to the church that Vicky's at. Uh, which is where she'll be, and in the summer we will move. Uh, we'll move away from Chesham. Uh, and so because of that, I'm going to include some more personal stuff here than I would normally do or that I usually think is sensible. Uh, but we've been through, you know, for the last couple of years, Vicky's been training. She often sees Owen on a Monday morning, actually, uh, has a catch-up with him. Uh, she's training, she goes to London now for that. She's away this weekend on a theological training weekend. Uh, but it's all been a process heading towards this summer of leaving our house, leaving the area that we've been in for 15 years. I haven't worked full-time for 18 months. I took redundancy uh, 18 months ago, and I've done a bit here and there and, and various things. But it's been a slow cutting away of things that we thought were our life and stripping back to what will it be going forwards. Uh, I'll come back to some of that because, uh, you know, it, as we'll see from the passage, the talk isn't about me, it's never about, or shouldn't be, about the preacher, uh, it's about the message, but there are things sort of that are parallel that I can associate with uh, this talk. Of this passage. So the passage is, and I don't think we've got it in, have we? We have. It's 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 to 7. I'm getting a nod from the back. By the way, so as part of this slow departure uh, for me, I'm not doing audiovisual anymore. 
So it was quite a relief when Johnny launched into a song that wasn't in the schedule, that I wasn't the one up there trying to <laughs> frantically find it in the computer. Because trust me, that software is such that it's in there, that song is in there, but sometimes it won't give it to you. Uh, you search for it and it's going, ah, yeah. and then after the service you search for it and it goes, there you go. It's got this clever sensor that senses how important it is to It does. And the more important it is, the harder it's to find. Yeah, and the more urgent it is, the more it goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Spirit break what? <laughs> so this is the passage. Because uh, we go into it a chunk at a time. So starting at verse 5. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So we preach not ourselves. Like I say, I sort of just erred into that or veered towards it. Uh, but he says, we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. We see in 1 and 2 Corinthians that Paul is having to deal with the people in Corinth saying a lot of stuff about him. And what he's saying is, it's not about me, it's not about Apollos, it's not about Peter, uh, because the people were saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Kephas. He's saying, it's not about us, it's about Jesus, I know that that's obvious and that you've heard it before. That's what he's saying. And it, it comes up again and again in the passage, just in different ways. And he goes on. Uh, it all starts to blur into one for me, I'm afraid. And I think it's later on in 2 Corinthians that you'll get on to in the summer, uh, where he goes into that. And he also goes into the section where he says, I'm talking like a fool here to tell you all this stuff. But he sort of has to say to them, this is how much my life has been given for you and for the other churches and how much I've relinquished everything. And he talks about his shipwrecks, about being beaten, about the work he does so that he doesn't have to rely on them. He's saying that he has emptied himself and he's given up everything so that it is Jesus that comes to them and that they receive. And it, I was pondering on this yesterday, and I thought, actually, I think that's sort of how he was able to say that for him, it was better to be unmarried. It's a very particular passage, and it's a very particular thing, and I don't want to go into depth on it. But he was in that passage where he talks about that. He says that you know, a married person has to think about their spouse which is a good thing if you're married. And he says that. So I'm not saying you have to do this because he doesn't say you have to do this and I'm looking up there and they're getting married later. Uh, <laughs> but what he says is that he knows that he would have concerns other than God if he were married. And for him, who has given up everything, being free of a spouse also allows him to give absolutely everything. So there is virtually nothing left of him. It is all God working through him. 
And I hesitate to say this for myself and for every other preacher, but his life, his message is in his life as well. And if somebody is giving you a message, <laughs> this is the dangerous bit, is it reflected in their life? Because our life is our message to other people. It's not just words. If it is just words, we might, you're just a sounding gong. It's nothing. What we give to people comes from what our life is. Uh, yeah, so what are we, what are our lives? Ephesians 2.10, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The next part of this passage, God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Uh, Chris did a talk at Encounter a couple of weeks back. It's on the website, podcasting. If you want to listen to that, I would recommend it. But before Christmas, we were actually setting up uh, for Dan and Nina's wedding. And Chris was telling me, and was very excited about it, as I'm sure you can imagine, about the James Webb Space Telescope, which was launched on Christmas Day. And I hadn't heard of it before then, and Chris was telling me all about it. And I went home and looked up on it and stuff. But as I reflected on what that is going to look at, because it's aiming to sort of look back in time, I'm not going to go into that, uh, it scared me in a way, and in a good way, because I thought that the God who holds and is in stars, which are huge nuclear reactors, and in black holes, which have such immense gravity that even light can't escape or pass by them, if it's close enough, that this God who can not just withstand, but holds those extremes, knows me. And it's his light spoken forth. It's his light that comes from the stars. Uh, and it says, you know, he made it shine out of the darkness. He spoke it into being from absolutely nothing. And he made that light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So the J.B. Phillips translation puts that, God who first ordered light to shine in darkness has flooded our hearts with his light. We can now enlighten men only because we can give them knowledge of the glory of God as we see it in the face of Jesus Christ. Now on to the part of the passage that was the headline for today and that I sort of latched onto, which is the jars of clay. I discussed it with Vicky, who's studying theology, and she sort of made very clear to me, and I think so, I need to point it out to you, that there can be a theological thing with this, that people think it's a separation of the flesh, being the jars of clay, and the spirit and life and stuff being the stuff that goes in it. It's not about that. So get it out of the way. There's no, it's not about a separation between mind and body or that sort of stuff. On reflection, and this is just my view actually, I think that 
the jars of clay, as Paul talks about it here, is the human life. So some of the things that I was talking about as to what do we consider our life to be? Is it the wraparound stuff? Is it the core of who we are? But the, the jars of clay are very different from what goes in it. The difference is the human life versus God life or God himself. So, jars of clay. In Paul's day, they were very rough and ready. <laughs> they are all made of clay. They just don't look like it, because, of course, we glaze and fire them these days. And I know they're not jars, they're jugs and stuff, but let's call them jars of clay. Uh, they're all jars of clay. I'm sorry if you can't see. Uh, but they're all very different. So if you imagine this is uh, a very simple sort of childlike view of this, and that these jars of clay, they're sitting here together, and they start looking at each other. And this one goes and looks at this one and goes, but I'm not colourful. I don't have anything. The stuff on that one isn't what I am, so surely I'm not as useful. This one goes, I am colourful, but I'm not as big as that one. And I'm, that one's small and delicate, and that looks really pretty. So maybe I'm not, maybe my jar, maybe I'm just not worth much. Maybe I can't do stuff because I'm not like that one. This one says to the potter, why did you make me this small? Why did you make me like this? Why is that handle so delicate? I will just break. What good am I? Why did you make me like this? Now this one, this one's got all sorts of patterns and adornments and banded glazing on it. It's got quite a thing going on. So this one thinks, do you know what? I look so good that I think I should be put there on a special stand. But I'm going to, because things might come and get me, I'm going to build a wall around myself. I'm going to protect me from other stuff happening. And it just puts more and more stuff around itself wraps itself away so that you can't see it anymore. This one, it has stuff put in it. It pours some out, more stuff is put in it. It says to the potter, thank you for making me this way. I know I'm not like those. Thank you for making me like this and it does its thing. 
I don't want to explain that too much. I don't think it needs it. What is the life in us that God sees? Is it the stuff that we surround ourselves with? Um, you know, like I say, Vicky and I are leaving our house. We don't know what we're going to do with it, but can't see us ever going back there. And do you know what? I'm not that bothered. Uh, if we didn't have a car and walked everywhere, not that bothered. I would have been a long time ago. And some of the process of discovering what we really are, honestly, sometimes it's a bit rough and painful. Getting rid of that other stuff and letting it be taken off, that we can find out how God actually sees us. This all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. The more I dwell on creation uh, and the enormity of it and the mind-blowingness of it, you know, the more amazing it is that we have life and that anybody cares for us, that God cares for us, uh, because it is his power that's displayed. In 2 Chronicles 6, I think this is also, I should know this because I read it this morning, 1 Kings 6 or 7, uh, is the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem, so Solomon's temple. The most, one of the most magnificent buildings the world has ever seen. It's fully bedecked in gold inside, uh, you know, handcrafted stone, no tools were used, no noisy tools were used on site. It was cut off site, they put it together, it took seven years. There's all these amazing cast things inside it. Uh, and I said to Chris earlier that I only realized, I only re thought about the fact yesterday that no one ever saw it except the priests. So they built this thing for God to reside in. But the ordinary people would never, ever see that. Only the priests were allowed inside. And they built this amazing thing. But at the dedication, Solomon says, 2 Chronicles 6, 18, But will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built? So I'm going to finish with this, uh, another little personal reflection. Uh, before Christmas, Vic and I were uh, up north, and we were staying in this town in Yorkshire. And despite the fact it's in Yorkshire, it was lovely. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it was really nice. And... The first morning we were there, I was up early, went down to town to get some decent coffee. Vicar was still in bed. It's normal course of things. Uh, walked down to town, walked around. It had a really good market going on. Lots of interesting shops, lovely buildings, surrounded by hills. And I thought, this is a lovely place. And as I was walking back up the main road to where we were staying, I had this moment where... 
something became totally apparent to me, and it'll take me a while to explain it, but it was in an instant that this happened. And what I felt was, this is really nice, and it would be lovely to live somewhere like this. And what I felt was me sliding down into comfort, that of going, ooh, this would be really comfortable and nice. And in an instant, the reflection came from God to show me what I was feeling and to say, if you don't go to the people who are needy and who aren't comfortable, how will they know that I'm a God who goes to people who are needy and aren't comfortable? And I went, oh. Because the area where Vicky works, the church she's in, it is not like this. Uh, it is not like this at all. And so, you know, what I've talked about with us of leaving stuff, that's, that's been a choice. <laughs> so many people don't have a choice. We know about the impending cost of living crisis people that don't have a choice. Most of us here, we have a choice. But we have a choice as well in terms of how we treat the jar of life that we have been given and what we might choose to adorn it with or not and what we fill it with. Uh, but that reflection that happened to me as I walked along made me think, Okay, so we are doing this. Uh, and like I say, you know, if we sell the house and never see it again, that's what it is. Uh, like I say, I didn't want to be so personal in a way, but it reflected what was going on. And I'm speaking at uh, the end of March, Mothering Sunday, uh, and that may be similar. Amen. <laughs>